0: Good afternoon or morning or whatever it is when you're listening, but welcome to welcome. contextualize. Yeah,
1: usually afternoon's is not our best bet. We're tired.
0: We are tired in the afternoons, but that's okay.
1: Machinery has moved to the front of the building. Yeah,
0: and that's—I'll say—it's been more fun this week watching them than pre- the past couple of weeks because they're digging major, major <laughs> trenches <laughs> so and putting like, huge pipes underground. They've so. gone
1: around two sides of the building. Like, if they keep going, like.
0: Yeah, we're not going to be meeting We're going to fall gonna, into I the earth so. like,
1: at some point.
0: <laughs> we, we could just ask him to put a moat around
1: for us. I, so, you wonder. That would be fun.
0: Well, um, hey, this is a special episode of Contextualize. We wrapped up 2 Corinthians, I almost said first. Um, and we're going to be stepping into 2 Samuel, but that will be a couple weeks from now. And so we just wanted to, to get on here today and just kind of wrap I don't know. Just give any reflections on First Samuel from yeah, wrap up our series. sermon
1: series because we've wrapped up a whole bunch of stuff, right? Right,
0: now. and you're in between travels, and so just touch on that as well. So yeah, just special fun episode here. So just briefly, and we've talked about semi-trust stuff before, so we don't need to cover well. We'll try to cover new ground instead of old ground. Yeah, But just, you know, where were you? What y'all cover last week? Just yeah, so I was away that.
1: in Providence, Rhode Island last week and had, honestly, I think it might have been my favorite workshop in a long time. And part of that may just be understanding the principles I'm asked to be an instructor of and feeling much more comfortable. It did happen that the individual I was supposed to be an instructor with, um, so for those listening, the Simeon Trust always sends two instructors to a host church, which we will be this uh-huh. fall. Yeah. And... Uh, over the last seven years or so, I've become a once or twice a year instructor, but it's always fun to meet the other guy. Yeah. Like, who is he? Yeah. We, you know, different, sometimes denominational backgrounds. We might know each other, but often we don't. So I was excited to work with a guy named Brandon who had lived in Boston for eight years as a pastor and had moved away three years ago to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Okay. So for him, it was a homecoming.
0: Yeah.
1: In fact, one of the nights of the workshop, he drove back to see folks in the church he passed. Okay. Um, that means a lot of the guys had heard him speak before, uh, and he was a great communicator. was awesome. But his flight got grounded. It was mechanical failure on the way out of town. So I found out the morning of, like, Jim, you're going to be leading the entire pre-workshop <laughs> with 10 pastors trying to make sure we all are on the same page before the other 60 guys show right. up. And I think that really helped me because yep. it was kind of like, I've done that before once, but I didn't know I was doing it until about 8.30 in Charlotte on Tuesday morning. Uh-huh. And so it did change the workshop to feel like a little bit more leadership um, expectation. Right. And uh, we were in the book of Exodus and just talked through how do we preach Jesus from the book of Exodus, which is not that hard. Right. You have to almost try not to preach Christ. Sure, sure. yeah. Because of the way the Exodus and the way the New Testament handles the book of Exodus is so Christ-centered. Yeah. Um, just he's our Passover lamb. Right. He's, you know, or the Exodus, freedom from slavery. That's a picture of the gospel. So it wasn't. A workshop with incredibly challenging big motifs, but it was a great workshop as far as just the types of dialogue we had with men who were either in, encouraged in their word ministry or discouraged, and just kind of. Uh-huh. And they all spoke in New England accents. <laughs>
0: you gonna do that for us? No, I will not. No, I,
1: I, my children have asked me not to ever try it. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I won't venture down that road either. Uh, okay, I have to. A... I,
1: I have to. And then you, you're not going to lose your train of thought. So here I am, and we, we pulled into the parking garage, and I told the church Sunday that, I mean, the first thing I heard from someone was, park your on the third floor. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> but the guy I was with had lived in Boston for eight years, yeah. and he's a Midwesterner. And he said, Jim, it reminds me, that guy's accent was strong. He's like, it reminds me of the time I did a funeral. And the, the brother who we were doing the funeral for, he was away with Christ. And, but his sister did the reading, and it was Psalm 13. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want nothing. And he goes, and she kept going. And, of course, he did it perfectly. He did it absolutely perfectly. And I'm losing my mind. And he said, I am about to give the message at a funeral of a friend. And I can't that. Yeah. stop laughing, but I refuse to <laughs> let myself laugh. So anyway. Yeah.
0: Man. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Maybe I don't know, one question. You can, you can pick either side of this or both. I don't know. But what was either just just kind of something to share from the time in Exodus that would just be kind of short. I know you're preaching on Exodus. So don't You don't have to give that away kind of thing. But just something from Exodus that was encouraging or helpful or... What was just something from kind of the, the principles of Simeon Trust stuff that you know that you saw in a fresh way or something at this, this workshop? Just something to encourage. So, yeah,
1: I can on. answer both of them, and I can do a brief. So the first one, a part of the book of Exodus. One of the passages assigned. I probably won't hit the text assignment. I can't remember exactly. It was a chapter 37, I think. It was very hard to preach. It was, what would you do if you preached a text where it gave the instructions and the specifics on how to build the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. So the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. And so the guys who were assigned to preach that text, they were in our small group. And you got done. It was just instructions, you know, and the cherubim are here and the mercy seat is there. And then that was it. They're like, this is your text for Sunday. How do you preach faithfully from it? And I remember kind of saying to the guys, the two of you who got assigned this passage, this is... This is like hazing. Like this is not. <laughs> I'm eager to see what you do. And both the pastors didn't know each other from different cities around New England. They they did such great work. Yeah. I like, think I was so encouraged, and I can even give an illustration. Like to think that where do we first see cherubim? Two cherubim in the, in the Bible. Yeah.
0: Genesis can you think three.
1: Of it? Genesis three outside outside of the Garden of Eden. Yeah. To block sinners from access. And you have two cherubim being built, overlooking the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant. Where inside of it is the law of God, and the mercy seat is where God would come and meet with His people. It's the yeah. symbolic place of presence, and His presence is still so holy that though it's called the mercy seat, it's being guarded yeah. by symbolic cherubim. And then we fast-forwarded and looked at the the New Testament, where at the foot, well, at the empty tomb,
0: yeah,
1: who meets the disciples, right? But Two cherubim, two yeah. angels saying he's not here. His presence isn't yeah. here. His presence, he's, he's resurrected. He's going to be <laughs> with the Father. And now we know the presence is with us. So yeah. just That's that good. kind of work being done by, by guys I don't know and just really fought, not falling in love with the gospel, but being convinced that preaching Christ and showing the people that we're called to preach to, where in the text we're preaching do we see the gospel of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how does the Lord apply that? I mean, it That's just good. was riveting. So that was one thing That's about great. Exodus, and then about the whole workshop. I think what I would say is, um, I genuinely enjoyed the lunchtime meals this time. I I get pretty overwhelmed in even sixty or seventy people. I get tired. I don't. I don't enjoy one-on-one time, especially mm-hmm. when you're an instructor somewhere. You just feel I don't know. You don't want to be disingenuous, but. People keep asking you questions. You're trying to hurry. and eat your food, and you feel bad because they're almost done eating and you're not. And but, in all honesty, they're asking questions because I'm the I'm the stranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the multiple lunch meals that the Lord established, the types of guys I got to talk to, they're just really good. Yeah, yeah, for a variety of personal reasons, but yeah. they were just yeah. from the Lord, and I felt like they they weren't draining and they they were purposeful, and they felt like part of the whole workshop. so.
0: It's good. It's great. Um, so if we, if we think about us here, we're hosting our first workshop this at the end of September this year, which, you know, still several months out at this point. Um, I don't know anything that would be helpful to share in this format right now on that.
1: I grow convinced and convicted. This is a place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we do a workshop, they'll send us instructors, the statistics of those who are coming. So, like, I knew that 35% of the guys coming had never been to a preaching workshop before. I knew that 22% had went to last year's workshop, but it was their second workshop, and I knew some guys had been to more. I knew 17, no, 27% of the people there were full-time preachers. Mm-hmm. I knew X percent were vocational in ministry, others were volunteer lay leaders in the local church that wanted to learn to study yeah. the scriptures better. So. As I think about doing it here, I think we, we do have an area where there's different denominations to represent. There are yeah. people with different levels of theological training. There are people that are from Presbyterian, Reformed, Covenantal backgrounds that believe in preaching expositionally. Yeah. And there are people that are from Reformed, maybe Arminian backgrounds that believe in preaching expositionally. Yeah. We have sy- systematic doctrine, things we don't align on. Um, and then there are people that don't preach expositionally. They preach topically or yeah. they preach unbiblically I don't don't know but so I think I get very excited to think that we as a church can host a place of training where I do believe in the methodology we've worked on it here I think you would say the same thing that it is transferable and it is a real privilege to be hosts of helping other churches have pastors who handle the word with more accuracy and more gospel-centered intention yeah I'm 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 increasingly convinced that it is a mission outlet for us. Yeah. And so I, that's the main thing I would say. I'm just yeah. very excited. But I would say for those at Christ Community to help us do it, it'll take a team effort. But it it should not surprise others, and it certainly won't surprise me, if there are a a bunch of folks from different traditions that come to study how to preach mm-hmm. here at our church. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And would you see how it goes?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, something you've said in other conversations is, though, uh, you know, there may be folks who, who come to this who have different um, thoughts and beliefs about X, Y, or Z. And obviously that's going to be the case. But at the end of the day with this, we, we all have the same tool. and it's, yeah. it's God's Word and what He calls us to faithfully handle it, faithfully understand it, faithfully teach and preach it. And so that's, that's what these are for, is to grow in that. And so, yeah, I, I'm excited for... Our church, I'm excited for it personally. I <laughs> uh, enjoyed the one I went to earlier this year, and excited for that. And then, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a blessing to our, our area. So
1: yeah, and I should say publicly, I don't know if all of our elders or any of our elders are always listen to this, but I need to say thank you to Christ Community because I it, yeah I do not take it for granted that I can just. It's not really a study week because I'm not going away just to learn. I'm actually doing some leading and teaching and I'm not missing a Sunday so it's not really and I'm not with my family so it's not a vacation week but just to get that week away uh- uh-huh. I am very energized by it and yeah. I also grow in my con- conviction that what God is doing here is yeah it is legitimate it's what he says his word does as I talk to others in their context and I, I just thank God for it
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we'll transition to our second thing here, and that's just to openly chat about First Samuel. So
1: then I get to ask a question. All right. Uh, if you, two questions. One would be, what would you say has been, was one of the most either fascinating or fun parts of First Samuel to study? And the second question is, can you think of a part of the book that was just really challenging?
0: Mm. Good questions. Um as I'm thinking, I'll preface with, um, this was the first time I've ever had an in-depth study, um, time in First Samuel, never been part of a, a preaching series, whether listening or otherwise, never have done like a small group or Bible study on it. So i familiar with First Samuel, but, um, yeah, this, I was, yeah, I always appreciate getting into a book that you haven't gotten into yeah. like that before. So, um. My first thought, I don't know how precisely it answers your question, but we'll go with it, is I think the thing, one of the things I was most, um, I don't know about, so, yeah, surprised and just uh, didn't have the knowledge of going in and, and see it more clearly now, is just the, how drastic Saul's downfall was. Um, I think before this, right, you obviously know Saul's not the, the winner, uh, like, <laughs> he's, he's not the right man to a for guy. the job. Like, <laughs> you get that. That's, that's pretty basic. But, and I think just seeing that week after week, chapter after chapter, layer after layer, like, man, like it, Saul messes up in some major ways. There's a lot of, there's sin upon sin upon sin. And then, yeah, just the consequences of that as it unravels. Um, so that was, I guess that was impressionable um, for me in a lot of ways. That's but. Good. Yeah. Um, it, it and that provides a lot of things to think about um, one it I, I think it it challenges me to think about how does that affect Israel you know <laughs> hey here's here's the guy you you picked and this is I mean you know it goes absolutely absolutely terrible um, so it's an indictment against them which is just an indictment against us in a lot of ways and then yeah I think just seeing uh, and you you did this in some of the sermons but right when someone rejects the Lord, this is <laughs> this is what happens. Um, you know, it doesn't just kind of go kind of bad. Like Saul rejects the Lord, it's it's real bad. So. so
1: good. It's not good. It's bad. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So the book has a lot of unknowns in. It the more we study it, right. Yeah. So the big picture is mostly known, biblical theology wise. But when you say you've not gone through a study, whether hearing it, even reading it, or preaching it, right. There's a lot of, like, surprise parts. To Absolutely. It. Yeah. yeah. I felt it differently this time, too, because when I preached it 10 years ago in a different church, I did major sections. Like, and Saul is chasing David, and David is still running. And <laughs> I preached, like, four chapters. And I, I don't right. regret doing that. <laughs> I'm sure there was reasons I did that at the time. Right. But to slow down and look at some of those stories that would be otherwise unknown. Yeah. I was amazed yeah. at the ways in which we could see really clear things about either Saul's demise or David's ascent. Uh-huh. Either way.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, with David, I mean, another thing on him with that is, I think in, in my mind, maybe some for folks listening, like, you're just like, oh yeah, David, he gets to be the king. And it just kind of, like, it seems like this really quick thing. But dude is on the run for so long. <laughs> And one like third he, of the book. Yeah. Like he's anointed as King. He gets to slay Goliath. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty good day or, you know, set of days there. But then I mean, it's years and event after event after event. And like, it's a, it's just a lot more difficulty. Yeah. Um, and even in his, you know, you see some of his own struggles in that too. So that was, uh, kind of fresh to see, see that in him played mm. out. Um, so,
1: yeah, right. I think that the, the surprises to me were, you know, I, I've been thinking about chapter 29, which I had never preached before, you know, and, oh, I'm sorry. Chapter 30, um, just, just to slow down enough to realize that the, the theme of kingship is a very big biblical theme that goes through all of scripture. Mm-hmm. And inside of biblical themes is a category we would call Typology. Mm-hmm. Right, so David is a shadow type of the true King who is Christ. Yeah. Right, so we and we've done that. Whether our congregation knew we were doing that, almost week after week. Right, so Saul's a shadow of the type of Christ. Saul's, Saul is very dissimilar to, mm-hmm. G, and David's more similar, but still. And so, like even just like slowing down enough to read chapter thirty, when David and his men came back and their wives had been captured and. Yeah. And they go and do something, and then just to think that the David chose to do this kingly act of saying, "We're not going to call these spoils and the, these these things won in victory our own things; they're from the Lord." Right. Um, it's easy just to read Old Testament era and just go, and just it just it, the story just, it just moves happens. along, it yeah. Yeah. But now to realize, well, wait a second, everything's pointing toward Christ. Yeah. And so I just feel like I saw much more this time. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So that, was a, that, made it, that made it very, very powerful.
0: So another uh, thing that uh, I think was impressionable for me was thinking about, and you mentioned this, I believe, in the, the final, well, I'm sure you did. Yeah, it was the final sermon. Uh, but just the, the Philistines kind of at the beginning and the end of the book, um, and, and in pretty big ways. I mean, you know, the beginning of the book where they capture the ark, that's um, no small thing. Uh, for Israel to lose <laughs> the ark of God, even going back to your Exodus comments, um, they lose this lose the symbolic presence of the Lord. He sends it away, um, and then to the Philistines, and then at the end, I mean, you know, Saul dies at the hand of the Philistines, and it's. I guess I, one thing that made me think is, all right, you, you all wanted a king to fight your battles, and you thought that would go well for you, and at the end of this it's still the Philistines who are still dominating you. Yep. Like, in fact, the Philistines have your king's head. Like,
1: I thought the same thing. I didn't say this in the last sermon, but the book starts with Hannah being afflicted, saying, Lord, will you look on our affliction? And how does the book end? With the Israelites being afflicted, needing to know the Lord is looking on their affliction. Hmm. You know, and so, yeah. And part of the reason the book starts and ends in what I would say, it's not a similar place because David is about to be installed. So the Lord has done something major throughout the course of this, but in some regards for the experience of the Israelites, it's back to enslavement, it's back to trial. Yeah. And part of the the whole point of that is the Lord said, "Don't do this." The people said, "Yeah, we understand, but we're going to do it anyway." <laughs> and they're right back where they started. Yeah. And that is an important thing to see. Yeah. It's so I can't think of the amount of things in my life or right? the lives of people I love of if you will not heed this, it will turn in a way that is destructive for you and those you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, In some regards, that's pastoral ministry. Yeah. Right. Now, what we get to offer yeah. in pastoral ministry is the pathway of freedom and life in Christ. Yeah. But it is still, the warning is required right. to say, if the, but if this is your Christ, or if this is what you think is going to save you, this is what's going to give you an identity and meaning, it will not go as you think it does. Right. And when it doesn't, I mean, maybe we're facing that as a country. Maybe we I mean, you could just say when it doesn't, everybody. What? What do we? Yeah. I, there's a sovereign God. Yeah. Who is saying you've asked for something, I will give it to you, and when you get it, it's going to feel it's gonna like stink. total destruction. Yeah. 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 One of the things that's fascinating to me too about the book is just the fidelity of God, and His faithfulness. So in the early part of the book. You have, when Samuel shows up, obviously a main character, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. That's Mm -hmm. chapter 3, verse 1. Then you have the word kind of comes through Samuel. The word gives warning, everything. But when Saul dies in chapter 31, the word of the Lord is proven true. So it starts with the absence of the word. Right. It it ends with the proven legitimacy of the word. That's, that's a neat trajectory. Yeah. Um, using the Word as kind of our uh-huh. a tool of analysis.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The faithfulness of the Word is, is shown there with Saul's, Saul's demise. That's good.
1: Little known, uh, little rarely shared truth. As many times as I've gone through First Samuel for different contexts of teaching and such, I am very much not as familiar with Second Samuel as I should be. <laughs> I am so excited to podcast it next and be like, huh. What what happens here? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know, I'm so used to talking about, and David's almost the king, and David's almost the right. king. Now he's going to be the king, and what are we about to What's see? What's going to happen? You know? So yeah. yeah that's, well,
0: and that's, I, would, I would guess that that's probably true for most people. Yeah. yeah, it's easier to get through first and than you get to second. Like, so, ah, well,
1: and as a teacher, you know, you kind of tuck your tail behind your legs and people are like, so we're going to second the next, right? <laughs> like that would just make sense. That used to be one book. It's now two books. We're halfway well, we in the middle of the story. I mean, come <laughs> on. No. Uh, oh, that'd be a good idea. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm eager for it. And yeah. I, I think we'll get to that guy's who would listen to this regularly. Those of you who wait with bated breath for us to do the next podcast. um, Midsummer. Yeah. Something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. June's a busy month. Um, So we'll see if it's June or July.
1: Yeah. Maybe July. We'll see. So So for those that listen, if you listen and you attend Christ Community, it'd be fun for you just to walk up to AJ, me, or me, and just be like, hey, my favorite part or the most challenging part of First Samuel has been, and just tell us. You don't even need to like preface it. Just be like, hey, you know that question in the podcast? This is my answer. Because I think it's really engaging. It's, it's fueling um, for people to say, this is how God used the book to show me Christ, but also to help me see where I'm at and, and to trust his promises and to, and to trust his kingdom. Yeah. So I'd love to hear it, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great idea.
1: And then we know you're a listener to the podcast.
0: We're really just trying to keep tally uh, of no.
1: four people spoke to me this week. AJ. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, that's good. Um,
0: any any other closing thoughts? Till, till um,
1: people of God who worship with us, moving to First John is going to be like I don't know. Like, maybe like getting off a roller coaster and getting on like a tilt-a-whirl or something like that. Like I don't even know what to do with that analogy. Is that a good analogy?
0: Is I don't know. Right? I, I, like yeah. I, It doesn't help me. Because <laughs>
1: narrative to me is so much fun. I mean, I was at the preaching workshop and they do a Q&A session with all the instructors. And one of the questions was, what's the most stressful part of preaching? What do you love the most about it? And my answer of the most stressful was, if I have to preach from the Psalms. Because poetry is hard for me. Which you've done. To which the guy next to me says, are you kidding me? Psalms are my favorite. Like, I could preach a psalm every Sunday morning and Sunday night for the rest of my life. And I was like, are you kidding me? Old Testament (laughs) narrative is the best. So for for Jim personally, as we've been doing some work work already in 1 John, to jump into a letter, which is very different than 1 1 Corinthians. and,
0: And it's, yeah, it's not Paul. I mean, John and Paul just, they write different.
1: It's, it's like stream of consciousness, like almost poetic discourse yeah. style of writing. So I'm I'm excited to do it at Christ Community. I, I will say for those that might want to hear this and think about it as we proceed, we're not choosing to go into 1 John for any particular reason. Like We didn't have a precipitating motive to say right. because this is going on in our church or because this is going on in our culture, we should do 1 John. It was... Essentially, I think in part saying First John is a book with some very amazing, important themes. We have done Pauline epistles, we've done Old Testament, mm-hmm. we've done you know the genre of wisdom literature. So let's do an epistle that's a summertime length book that is a different yeah. part of the Scriptures yeah. than we've been studying. But I can't get away from the fact that it seems like we are going to be instructed in some very important christ-centered tools for relational maturity
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think as our church has got 250 or so people something in there new people people been around a long time people that are used to each other's personality people that don't know each other what is said about what love is what is said about what the incarnation means what is said about what it means to be a christian or not a christian mm-hmm. i'm wondering if sort of the saul david contrast from first samuel it's not going to be alluded to in First John, but the contrast between those who are Christ's and those who are not. And how they live and how they talk and how they act. We're still going to see this black-white contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. That I just feel like it's going to make sense, Holy Spirit-driven sense, not orchestrated from right. our side. Right. But I'm very eager for it. So I yeah. encourage those who worship with us every Lord's Day to be prepared for, I think, a very helpful summer series in light of just... How we can be mature in Christ? Yeah,
0: I think that's great. I, had, you know, I had not thought about connecting that back to First Samuel, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Uh, just to yeah, you have the true king and the false king. You have true believers, false believers, those who are in the light, those who are in the dark, kind of ideas. So I think it's great. The other thing I'll mention is for those here um, this Sunday, next Sunday, grab if if you use them, if you like them, the uh, Scripture journals. We got those for First John they're out front so grab one of those uh, if you've got a friend it'd be a good time to hand them one and invite them to church if you want to but yeah until next time when we dive into Second Samuel
1: yeah mid to late June ish yeah unless AJ starts monologuing for the next two weeks and just kind of <laughs> enjoys his radio audience
0: that would be <laughs> not nearly as much we'd lose half of our, <laughs> our listeners I'm sure so anyway. alright people until next God
1: time. have a good one